Hey everybody, P-Dub here, and today we are going to be talking solo about my journey to Ukraine. You've been hearing little tidbits of it throughout uh, my recent episodes, and now it's uh, it's time to talk about it. So let's, let's put this up, John. Uh, I want to introduce the beginning of what what was going on before I went to Ukraine and what was happening uh, politically in Ukraine in, uh, in order to get me over there, right? So let's, let's hit play on this one. So this is Zelen- uh, President Zelensky of Ukraine. He's saying um, we're, we're handing out weapons to defend our country to everyone who wants and has a capacity to defend our sovereignty. The future of Ukraine depends on every citizen. He's coming up to do a, a speech. We broke off diplomatic relations with Russia. Ukraine is defending itself and will not give up its freedom, no matter what Moscow thinks. The Ukrainian armed forces are indeed involved in heavy fighting, repelling attacks in Donbass and other regions, east, north, south. The enemy sustained serious losses, and you can pause it there. And so this is what's happening, right? February 24th, last year, 2022, the world is watching as this guy that used to be a comedian on TV is now in a real serious situation. He's the president of Ukraine, and he's thrust into this deep conflict that he didn't want, that nobody asked for, and now he's having to stand up. The Ukrainian people are having to stand up and defend themselves. And he's putting a call out saying that we're handing guns out to civilians. And if you go back and you look at historical records of the news and everything, they are handing out AK-47s to grandmas, to teenage kids. Like, I saw this, and I'm at home in the States, and I'm thinking, damn, man, it's things that are really getting real over there. I mean, it's one thing when two nations go to war against each other, and you've got military against military. Because that's um, more or less you can argue that that's equal, okay? But when you've got civilians being handed weapons and they don't have a means, uh, they're gonna, they're about to get overrun. And that's what was happening. Uh, Kiev, the capital of Ukraine, uh, they were saying that, hey, any, any day now because the Russians had um, basically tried to kind of flank the Ukrainians. They they tried to come in uh, from the north through Belarus down to Kiev, which is the, the shortest path, essentially, uh, along the Ukrainian border. And they tried to uh, kind of blitzkrieg their way down to Kiev, and the, Ukraine, the Ukrainians were like, oh my gosh, this is really serious business. We've got to defend ourselves, and we're in such heavy fighting that now we're handing weapons out to grandmas and kids. Um, so let's go to the next one, John. And this is the day after. So full screen this and let's play this. This is President Zelensky hanging out in the, the capital district in Kiev. He's saying good evening to all. Lower that just a bit. The leader of the bloc is here. Uh, I missed that last part, but he said uh, Prime Minister uh, Shmihal uh, Poliak is here. We're all here. Our military is here. Citizens are here. We are all here defending our independence, our state, and it will be so further. Glory to our defenders. Glory to Ukraine. 
Glory to heroes. So it's truly inspiring. I mean, that video went mega viral, big time in Ukraine. I mean, that was a big, a big rally battle cry for the Ukrainians, um, but also for the, the international community. I think when we all saw that video, we were all inspired and understood like, oh, we thought they were going to roll. <laughs> we thought everybody did. Russia, everybody thought the Ukrainians were going to roll over and just get invaded. And within a few days, this thing is all going to be done. And um, and instead, you can see the difference between the two videos, right? President Zelensky on day one is wearing a suit because he's being presidential. And on day two, he's in green uh, you know, tactical equipment. All his dudes are in tactical equipment. And it's like these, these guys all of a sudden became wartime leaders of their nation. And man, I mean, I don't know if that's not inspiring. I don't know what is. They said, we're holding our ground. We're here in Kiev. And I know that area where they took that video. I had, I've been there. They said, we're in, we're not going anywhere. We're in Kiev. We're in the capital district. We're doing our job. We're not going anywhere. We're here to fight. And that was awesome. Um, so I'm watching videos. Uh, I'm hearing about civilians being handed weapons. I'm hearing that they're going to stand and fight. That's day two. Okay. So now let's go to the third link there, John. And I looked for a video, uh, for a long time, guys, I couldn't find it. Um, and I'm now just seeing it there on the right. It says video. (laughs) So maybe there's a video of this, but, um, president Zelensky on February 27th of 2022. So we're three days into this invasion. And uh, he writes an appeal. This is from uh, the president's... Uh, go to the very top there, John. Yeah, the, it's from the office of the, of the president of Ukraine, right? It's his, it's his official website. So let's go down. Appeal to foreign citizens to help Ukraine in fighting against Russia's aggression. So early in the morning of February 24, 2022, Russia launched a new military operation against Ukraine, an unjustified criminal and cynical intrusion. The Russian army is using very vile tactics with all elements of war crimes under Geneva 1949 convention, killing civilians and destroying their homes with missiles and artillery. Now pause there and I'll tell you that he's not making that up. I personally have witnessed these war crimes. I'll move on. Ukrainians have manifested the courage to defend their homeland and save Europe and its values from a Russian onslaught. This is not just Russia's invasion of Ukraine. This is the beginning of a war against Europe, against European structures, against democracy, against basic human rights, against a global order of law, rules, and peaceful coexistence. The president of Ukraine, Volodymyr Zelensky, is addressing all citizens of the world, friends of Ukraine, peace, and democracy. Anyone who wants to join the defense of Ukraine, Europe, and the world can come and fight side-by-side side with the Ukrainians against the Russian war criminals. According to regulation on military service in the armed forces of Ukraine, and this is important because they have to cite law, they can't just let it be chaos, right? So they have to find something that already exists within their law to permit something like this. So according to regulation on military service in the armed forces of Ukraine by citizens of their countries and stateless Persons approved by decree of the President of Ukraine, number 248 of June 10, 2016, foreigners have the right to join the armed forces of Ukraine for military service under contract of a voluntary basis, 
to be included in the territorial defense forces of the armed forced uh, armed forces. I, I imagine is what it's trying to say. Armed forces of Ukraine. A separate subdivision is being formed of foreigners entitled the International Legion for the Territorial Defense of Ukraine. There is no greater contribution which you can make for the sake of peace. For enrollment and details, please contact the defense attache of the Embassy of Ukraine in your country. Uh, give peace a chance by protecting Ukraine and stopping the criminal invaders. So this goes out. Now, I, I know there's video of this, and I... And I Spent some time looking for that video. It's probably there at the top of this article, uh, for all I know. But um, I wanted to find a video of him reading this document. I know he announced it. I know that I watched it on the, on the news. So if you guys can find that link, please share that. Put it in comments or, or send that to me because I couldn't find that video where he was announcing the, the formation of the International Legion. But I know this document is from his official website. Um, so here it is, February 27th. He announces, hey, man, three days into this thing, like, it's getting real, and we need all the help we can get. We're handing guns out to grandmas and kids. Um, we're calling on the international community. If anyone believes in the cause of defending us in peace and democracy, please come help. Well, I'm scheduled at that time to go on this vacation. I already had it planned flight booked, hotel booked, all that stuff, right? So I'm thinking, well, man, this is really bothering me internally. I'm having an internal conflict about it. And so I go to Mexico and I'm hanging out and I'm at the resort. And uh, my friend uh, who went with me, if you're watching, you know probably how I felt, but I'm at the hotel, we're at the beach and you go up to, you're at the, the way these resorts go, you leave the beach and the, the bar is right there between the resort and the beach. And it's like maybe a hundred paces and you're at a bar anywhere in sight, right? So I go to the bar and I'm like, hey, give me a pina colada because it's my, that's my go-to at the beach. And uh, they got a TV there. I, you know, I got to stop and interject. I don't know what it is with TVs, man, but like, can I just go to the beach and not have to have a TV in front of me with sports or news? Like I'm here to decompress and there's like a TV in my face in every restaurant on the planet. It's like, let's not have TVs everywhere. Can we just chill? So there's a TV there and I'm trying to just block out the whole thing. And I'm trying to just enjoy my vacation and have a good time and try not to think about what I know is going on somewhere else. And there on the TV... They're announcing uh, little girls were shot, uh, families were blown up in their homes, and um, they're beginning the documentation of these war crimes that are taking place, um, or at minimum, casualties of war that these families are uh, trying to get to safety, and they're getting killed on their way out. So as the, um, the Russians are coming down from Belarus, getting down towards Kiev, things are going to happen. You know, it's war. And um, and I think that the Russians were moving so quickly, the civilians didn't have enough time to evacuate, or maybe they didn't listen to the calls for evacuation. I don't know. I can't speak intelligently on that. I just know that it was happening, and it's still happening today. Um, I can't do it, man. <laughs> I can't. I can't look at that stuff and then sit there and drink a pina colada. It just. I can't. I can't sit there and do it. It's just. It, I'm not that kind of guy. Um, to be able to block that kind of thing out. And so, I mean, I gotta, I'm, I'm there for two more days. Um, 
coincidentally, I met a Belarusian girl while I was there. She was evacuated by her family. So she's in Mexico with her friend. They were evacuated out of Belarus so that they could just go, like, be away in case Belarus gets invaded or something goes on. And so she was evacuated to safety, and she had nothing to do with it, but it was just coincidental, like, that I'm running into a Belarusian person in the midst of all of this. And so two more days of really every meal, every everything I'm I'm there, my, my stomach is just in a knot the whole time. So I get back home. And uh, I'm going to show you guys a video in a second. So um, I get back home, and in a day, one day, I pack up all my stuff, everything that I could possibly need or use. And I'm short on kit, right? I mean, I haven't done a lot of stuff in a while, so I've got to run around town. And I'm talking like I run all over town. So I spend 12 hours running to every store that I can to try to get uh, body armor, uh, extra field gear, pants, shirts, uh, whatever, you name it, right? Um, I didn't even have a deployment bag anymore because I just hadn't done that stuff in a long time and you sell stuff or give it away and eventually you have nothing left and all of a sudden when something pops off, man, you got it's, it's a nightmare to have to go get all that stuff in a day. And it just makes me think about readiness. Quick side note, readiness is that Anything can pop off at any moment, and you don't know when it's going to happen, and you've got to be ready. And if you're not ready, it's a real nightmare. And so it's really dug deep in my heart to help people and understand to be ready in case an emergency happens, a natural disaster, in case there's any floods, tornadoes, um, public unrest. You've got to get out and get your family to safety. You've got to have a bag or just some basic stuff, fuel, food, water, you've got to have that stuff ready to go because when you need it and you don't have it and everybody else is trying to get it, it's a problem. Um, but luckily within a day, I got all my stuff together. Very good friend of mine. Thank you so much. You know who you are. You were there for me. A friend was coming out to hang out with me for a week. And instead I'm saying that I'm going to Ukraine. So I made the decision. I packed up all my stuff and bought a flight. And that next night, after coming back from Mexico, that next night I was on a flight on my way to Ukraine. Um, so let's let's pull this up, John. And so here I am um, in one of the airports. I think this is London, but go ahead and play that. All right. In a day where I ran all over town picking up all my things that I needed to get going. I have everything packed. I made it to the airport, bought a flight. And I'm walking down the catwalk now to get to the plane. And uh, crazy how I got everything done so quickly. So here we go. We're on our way first to London. Okay. Oh, that's me leaving DFW, I think. So if I'm on my way to London. So yeah. Um, and that's when we still had to all have masks. It's, it's crazy. So let's uh, let's just scroll ahead. Um yeah, I just got a picture of the plane, I guess. So that's London. Um, I had 12 hours. It was a long, uh, long layover. Pardon me. I almost, I'll try to leave uh, swearing out of this video if I can. Um, but it's a long layover. And so there I am in um, uh, a big state, Piccadilly Station, I think is what it's called. That's a famous train station. But I'm hanging out there, and I did a, I just had to wait, basically, and um, wait for my connection. So let's keep going. 
Uh, so I ended up landing in Warsaw and had a pretty long layover there. I had to spend the night in Warsaw, um, which for what it's worth, I mean, it was nice to see places I hadn't been before and participate. But again, I, you saw in the video, I had a mask on, um, when I get to Warsaw, I don't know. I, I packed my bags in a day and I just bought a ticket. I don't know what's expected. And this is all COVID stuff still. So I get to Warsaw and they're like, you don't have your COVID test. I'm like, I didn't, I didn't know I needed one, but I had the one from when I went to Mexico only a few days before. And they said, no, it has to be within 48 or 72 hours. And I was like a day short. And they're like, you can't come into, into Poland. And I was like, well, what do you want me to do, man? I'm at the airport. And they're like, okay, well, you can go to this other thing in the airport and we'll get you a test. And it was a whole nightmare. So I actually missed my one flight. I had to spend the night and uh, go the next day. So let's keep on cruising. So before we play this, you can just pop this off for a second. Um, before I play this, so I go, I, 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 there's a big gap there between me and Warsaw in this next video because there's about a week there where... I had to meet a connection in Poland near the border of Ukraine. And this is all very cloak and dagger stuff because at the time they didn't know who to trust. They didn't know who was what. And just me even knowing to get this contact was a was an act of Congress. I mean, I was on the phone for hours. Remember this 12-hour gap where I'm getting all my gear? I'm on the phone nonstop that entire day trying to reach somebody with the Ukrainian embassy in D.C., the Ukrainian consulate in any city. I was trying to call Ukraine. I was trying to call Ukrainian embassies in London. I was calling every place that I could to try to figure out, like, where am I supposed to go? Because I'm packing my stuff. I bought my ticket. I don't know where I'm supposed to go. So it's a pretty big, uh, pretty big undertaking to try to, like, deploy yourself to a combat zone. It's one thing, it's, a, it's an amazing big green machine, the United States military, that you've got all of these administrative, supply, logistics, operations, all these people that their job is dedicated to deploying uh, military people from an administrative position to a tactical location. And, um, and uh, so you're going from administrative to tactical and... It is a massive undertaking. Now imagine doing that all by yourself, figuring out how to buy your ticket, what f food you're going to need, what gear you're going to need, uh, who to talk to, where to go. Like you have to answer all those questions yourself and nobody's answering the phone. So it's, it was quite an undertaking. So I finally get all that worked out. I meet my contact on the Polish border side. They transport us across and uh, now finally we're crossing our border, uh, from Poland into Ukraine. Now at this point, I still don't know what on earth I'm doing. I don't know what I'm going to be doing when I get there. I'm kind of pretty nervous because I don't know if I'm actually supposed to be here. If I'm, if I'm doing the right thing, I'm leaving my family and my friends, I'm leaving my uh, job, career, whatever, right? I'm leaving my comfortable life. Am I doing the right thing? The answer to that question was solidified for me uh, in these next few videos. So let's watch. So here we are. I'm in a bus and I'm from Poland side crossing over into Ukraine. And you look at these families. This is what they have. They're not fly right in u-hauls with with all their gear it's 
literally just pedestrians with a baby in a stroller and, a, and another little kid standing next to the stroller. And, and the line was insane. The amount of buses and vehicles waiting to go from Poland into Ukraine and from Ukraine into Poland, it's like we waited about four or five hours to get from Poland into Ukraine. That's a four or five hour checkpoint um, at a border crossing. And you're going to find out here in a second that it was drastically longer to go from Ukraine out or out, to go from out from Ukraine out into Poland uh, to leave the country. So let's go on to the next one. Here's another family. This dude's carrying his dog. Watching this a few times, I don't know why he didn't just have the dog on the leash. But <laughs> whatever. I mean, this is it. Look, they just got a couple bags on them. I mean, they don't have their stuff. You can pause that. So now keep in mind, it's freezing out. It's 2 in the morning, and it's the very beginning of March. I think this is March 3rd, 2022. So... It is ice cold out at two in the morning, and you saw—I don't know if you saw close enough on the video—but there is breath coming out of the or uh, vapor coming out of these people's mouths. It's freezing out, um, and they're just in these kind of light, medium shell jackets. They're not like Arctic jackets to be able to handle these kind of weather uh, conditions. So let's let's go to the next one. This is the one, guys. This is the video that answered the question for me: Am I doing the right thing? So go ahead and play this. You got this woman carrying her baby with one backpack on her back in the freezing cold in the middle, middle of the night. That's all she had. Her baby in a backpack. You can pause that. So when I'm on this bus and I'm asking myself these questions. I'm on this bus with a bunch of strangers I've never met and they're all strangers to each other. And I see that. That's it, man. A question question answered. I know that I'm doing the right thing and I know that these people need help. And um, so that's it. So let's move on. Hit play on that. We might scan ahead. Um, scan a little bit ahead just so we don't have people waiting to watch. There it is. Here's my first view of all the people. I thought it was a few people at the border crossing. Look, it's a mass of people waiting in line. This is the people that have already crossed from Ukraine to the Polish side where they have to go through the Polish customs. So scroll to the next video. And you're going to see a lot of this. And we're on the bus and we're slowly moving through this massive maze to get across the borders. But look at all these people. And it just keeps going. Hundreds and hundreds. Soon to see thousands of people. Alright, so go ahead and go to the next video. So they're putting us through gates and checkpoints and all this stuff. Look at this, guys. Put that on full screen, John. Just move. Put that. You don't need to show me. Just... Uh, Put camera. I think it's camera one. Just put the whole thing on full screen. Look at this, guys. Look at this massive, massive mob of people waiting in the middle of the night. Look at all these children right there. Look at they got a fire out there. Look at these people. You got some heating blankets here, and these people 
are all ninety from what I could tell, ninety percent were women and children just trying to get to safety, man. They don't want to be in the middle of a war. They want to be safe, man. And where are where are all the brothers? Where are all the husbands? Where where are all the fathers? They're fighting for their country. They're defending their homes. And look at these people. Pause that real fast. Put me back on. And, okay, so there were confirmed stories that it was so dang cold out at this border crossing that people were freezing to death. People were dying, waiting to evacuate to safety. All right? So let's let's put this back on full screen. I just wanted people to capture the understanding of, like, what's happening here. What am I experiencing as I'm coming into Ukraine? I'm seeing the true tragedy of what's happening to these people. Skip ahead a little bit. I don't mean to minimize the, the, the people here, but we're going to come to this gas station. I think you can skip ahead, keep going a lot more, a big chunk. All right, pause right. Well, we lost it, but you can see. Go back just a tad. There it is. So there's a, a break in the line. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, that's it. We're going to the gas station. Look, it just keeps on going. And wh where are these people standing? They're just standing in the side of the road. Next, what's in the road? Buses after buses after buses full of people. So these people walking couldn't get a ride. And so they're just walking to the border. It's insane. Keep going. Look how you can't even see the end of it. You can't even see the end of where all these people are. It's insane. All right, skip ahead. Uh, yeah, look at that. It keeps on going past the gas station. Let's go to the next video. And as you leave the gas station, skip ahead like 10 seconds. Look, and we're going to turn right out of the gas station, and it's just more, man. It just keeps on going. Now, it looks like the line of people is ending, but that was a few thousand people in line in the middle of the night, guys. This is like 2 in the morning. In the middle of the night. But then you look, skip ahead, uh, and then look, it's just an endless river of vehicles. They've got both lane sides of traffic. You got all these vehicles in the oncoming traffic. They're going the wrong way, but they're just, all the lines are full. So there's only one lane going into the, uh, going into Ukraine. Skip ahead a bunch, a big, a big chunk. Look, look, this is like a, uh, another m minute or two later. More lines, more lines. All the way back, it just keeps going. Okay, let's let's keep moving, man, uh, to the next video or picture. <laughs> Pepsi Mango. Now that we've uh, set the mood to be all sad and depressing, now here we go with Pepsi Mango. So there's a thing about Pepsi Mango. We go to the first gas station to, like, go to the bathroom, get some food. We've been waiting on that bus for hours. And so everyone's like, dude, we got to go. So let's go to the bathroom. We go into a gas station, get some snacks or food. I don't have you... Ukrainian Grivna. I don't have any money to like actually buy any items and I'm thirsty. I need some energy. I need some food. I can't buy anything and none of us had it. So I took a picture of Pepsi mango because I've never heard of a mango Pepsi. And I was like, one day mango Pepsi, you will be mine. So that'll, that's a little foretelling foreshadowing there, but let's keep moving. Okay. Fast forward to some stuff. So we get to a place finally where they stage us they get us. I'm going to cover the war portion of it in probably later video because there's so much to unpack here. I don't think we have time just in this one video to, to do it all. 
right? So I'm, this video is mainly about like going, the situation on the ground, kind of the, the human element, the experiences. And we'll get into some of the warfare stuff in a, in a future thing. I'm also a little bit hesitant to talk about that. Um, it's it's challenging to, to, to even process and talk about um, because I, I, not because it's, was hard on me. Um, it was, that's not the reason, but because I don't want to come across to anyone that, um, I'm bragging or saying anything good about myself or, um, you know, look at me, look how cool I am combat dude or something. It's, that's not the thing. Um, I, so I'm, I'm talking with people, some dudes I was over there with some other people. And I'm, I really want it to come across in a way that, um, elevates and shines light a good light on the Ukrainian people and the cause. And, um, you know, it just feels bad. It feels weird having the show pictures of like, look at the cool stuff I did. And I don't want to elevate myself necessarily. Um, yeah, I'm still, you can even hear my pausing now. It's like, I'm still struggling with that, uh, uh, talking about it. Um, but I think that the story needs to be told here, guys, uh, that I'm not the only one. There's a lot of people that have left their homes to go help Ukraine. And um, it's an interesting thing in history. It's an interesting thing in history that for the first time that I know of, I'm not a major history buff, and I'd love some historian people to like maybe comment and let me know what you think. But for the first time in history, as far as I can tell, a, uh, a, f- a, foreign, um, a foreign power... Um, a sovereign nation, that's the word I was looking for, a sovereign nation for the first time has said, hey, we're getting overrun. Will anybody from anywhere come help us? Because it's a difference of a sovereign nation asking an, another neighboring nation, will you come help us and send your military? For sure that happens all the time. What do you think You know, World War II was where we got involved in going to help Europe and you know, fight Germany, right? So for sure, but not a volunteer force. Not in the way where you say, hey, anybody, any foreign citizen, any citizen of humanity, any citizen of democracy and peace, anybody, and it even said stateless persons, so people that aren't even citizens of any place, anybody, come help us, especially those with experience, come help us, and uh, we need your help to defend our nation. That is a pretty interesting piece of history, and I didn't recognize that I was getting into this kind of piece of history until later on as kind of the story unfolded and progressed, right? So here we are, we're in our staging area, and they are just saying, hey, Kiev is about to get overrun, because keep in mind, this is still uh, early days of March, so maybe March 5th, 6th, something like that, and they're, uh, maybe a little later, I don't know, but they're saying, uh, hey, anybody with experience, put your groups together and hop on this bus and load up with all the guns and ammo you can, and get on down the Kiev, and we need you to start defending Kiev. And that's what started to happen. So you see these buses um, just getting loaded down with tons of stuff. And so that's what that picture is. So let's move on. So we end up getting to Kiev. Um, I can show, I've, I've verified with a few people, like this This area is the capital district area, and and you could do your research and figure out where we were. Um, but that place is no longer operational. So anything I show you guys in this video is not going to compromise OPSEC in any way. 
Um, nobody there is operational anymore in any of the buildings that I show you. Um, everything's, you know, it's a year ago. Everything's kind of consolidated into other places. So the place we were at here, this is the view of the Capitol building. And um, I don't know if you can see, do you have the ability, John, to zoom in on that picture to the dome on the touch screen? Will it let you do that? Yeah, go to the bottom of the dome. And you can see, move your mouse, uh, look at the, you see the circle in the building on the left? See that black smudge up to the right on the roof above the circle? Move your mouse over. Yeah, you see that? There's a dude right there. So on all these, and there's a dude further in the background too. You can see that vertical pillar kind of thing. Yeah. So on all these Capitol buildings throughout Kiev at the time, there's just guys standing on the roof just looking for trouble um, to see if anything's happening, right? So you can zoom back out. Um, so that's every building in the Capitol area of Kiev at the time. Um, so this is where we're at at the time. And uh, so you can keep on moving. So we're in the lobby of this building, and it's it's quite a sight, actually. Because um, you do, when you're in the military, uh, for those that don't know, I was uh, um, got out of the Marine Corps in 2016 as a gunnery sergeant, spent 15 years in the Corps. And when you're doing military stuff, it's pretty organized. You don't just let loose guns and ammo just sit around with rockets and all this stuff, but it was like total... Uh, total just free-for-all um, in that it's like, hey, we're in a rush to hurry up and defend Kiev, so we're not going to, we're going to bypass some of these, like, standards and procedures, um, some of these SOPs that you would normally put in place to just, hey, hurry up, man, let's just throw all this stuff in the trucks and get going. So the lobby of this building has just loose rockets and machine guns and open boxes of ammo because people are just getting things ready to go. Um, it's It was quite a sight, and... Um, I will speak a little bit because, again, this, the focus of this video isn't so much the combat. It's more about the human element. You've got a lot of people from around the world showing up, and that can introduce, and it does introduce, quite a chaotic element because a lot of these volunteers didn't have the experience that they said they did. Uh, they didn't have the stress management skills that they said they did, and so you've got a lot of panic in this group and there was a moment and I won't go too much into detail but there was a moment that that toxicity in that hotel lobby was so intense it was thick it was I could feel that energy I'm not like a mega energy vibe kind of person but you go down into that lobby and the tension is so dang thick in that lobby and um and it almost swept me up for a moment there. And I was like, I get it. I'm getting out of this lobby. I'm going back up to our floor, uh, to where we are, you know, we had our group and we were all good. So, um, but you, what you had there was back in the rear, uh, where we originally went into Ukraine and in this place every day, every day you got like a hundred people lining up to turn in all their gear that they just got a day ago or two days ago to turn in all their gear and cancel their agreement to uh, help defend Ukraine, and and they're just peacing out. And so you've got this constant toxic energy of everyone's panicking, everyone's freaking out, and this isn't what I signed up for, and this is garbage. We should be out there fighting right now. And 
uh, and they're going to shoot rockets at our building any moment now. And everyone's just panicking, freaking out. And it's just so much chaos. And what people don't understand is that to deploy a single individual into this environment takes a, a, a massive movement of mountains and let alone a thousand, two thousand, five thousand dudes. It's a massive logistical undertaking and it's not about you, bro. And that's the thing. And, the, and this is one of the, I already knew this, but I mega learned it again. I had a, a refresher course and got a master's and a doctorate degree on stress management in this environment because usually I'm used to working with professional Marines and we all know the deal so we can handle our business. But you go into this environment where you got a bunch of crazy maniacs that don't know what they're doing and can you still maintain your control at that moment? That's a true test of your stress management skills. And so in that moment... Um, You've, you've got to be able to just handle that. So let's move on. I don't want to digress on that, but just speaking about the human element, it was, it was, um, palpable, you know? So once all of those people that were kind of chaotic, um, kind of got weeded out essentially, and they left, then you're kind of left with the people that are, um, I guess more, uh, calm, <laughs> more, more chill, more rock solid. And, uh, then that's when we started kind of settling into our groove and everything, um, um, with cohesion and camaraderie and all that. So let's move on. This is the room I was in and, um, I didn't want to like mess up their nice sheets. This is, you know, not my place or whatever. So I had my sleeping bag out and you can just see, um, you know, we got our kid out there and we're just kind of prepping and getting ready to go. We hadn't actually done anything yet. It's just getting ready, right? Um, getting staged and moved to the right location and all that. Go ahead to the next thing. Um, Adam's cool with me sharing this. He's, he said, yeah, go ahead and share, uh, anything about him. Um, so if you look out on, um, He's mentioned a bunch of articles throughout the news throughout this um, war. Adam Teeman, uh, former Army Ranger, badass dude, awesome guy, uh, married an amazing girl, Ukrainian girl. Um, they're awesome. They're continuing to uh, serve the cause with nonprofit work and speaking and a and, um, um, bunch of different things, right? Um and so, yeah, they're helping a lot in the backgrounds for sure. So this is, I love this picture because we were doing some team training. Now that we have our team and we're kind of beginning to say, okay, what, how are we going to do our standards and procedures within our team? What's, what's our tactics going to be like? Are you going to, um, there's some Navy tactics that are different from the army tactics and the, the Marines kind of adopts, you know, maybe a hybrid of some of those different things. So you got different people from different countries. Now you got British people and people from the Czech Republic and everywhere. So we've got to adopt like, well, how are we going to do certain things in certain situations? We got to know that so that it's not chaos when it really matters. Um, so this is Adam. He's teaching some of his Ranger stuff, um, which he's a really great instructor, by the way. But he's got a pizza box and he's got at the beginning, they gave us these um FNC uh, rifles, they were garbage, and um, they kept jamming up, and dirt would get in the ejection port cover. It was terrible. But I love this picture of him because he's like a warlord-looking dude, like <laughs> sitting there with sunglasses and his his old gun and his pizza box uh, classroom instruction thing. But it's a funny picture. We go ahead. This is uh, one of his 
pizza box classroom uh, whiteboard things, priorities of work. So we're just covering some of how we're going to do things. Basic stuff. I'm not giving away anything secret here. This is just basic team training stuff. Go to the next deal. Okay, so some of the things we got, uh, they finally upgraded us. We, I went to, I'm sure I wasn't the only one, but I went to one of the commanders because for me, the process is very important on how things are done, the supply line, the logistics, like those things are very critical to me when I'm getting myself into a situation that's unknown because um, how can I be successful if I don't have all of the information? And some of the information I told them, I went to the leaders and I said, guys, we, we've got to get better weapons. These weapons are not, we're going to get killed trying to fire these old guns that have been in storage for years. They don't work properly. Um, we're going to, we're going to end up getting hurt. So um, they brought us new guns. And again, I don't know that I was the only one that was saying that stuff. I'm sure other people were too. But shortly after that, they brought us all brand new weapons. So we uh, had a little unboxing Christmas party. You can go to the next one. So there I am. We're just unboxing them, getting all these weapons, you know, prepped and ready to go. Again, I'm not giving away anything. I think everybody knows by now that the uh, volunteers were given CZ brand twos. Um, so there we are unboxing all that stuff. You can go on cat food. Cat food is a real thing, bro. <laughs> cat food is a real thing in Ukraine. You're not getting MREs. We're not getting that good NATO stuff, man. We are getting cat food. I don't know what country that's from. You guys will maybe comment to me about that. Um, it's definitely something in Europe. Um, I know we got Estonian MREs. We had later on down the road, we did get German ones. Those were pretty good, dense in calories. Um, but we got Latvian, I think, a bunch of different places. Um, so actually, in this one place, in this one event in my life, I ate more foreign food in one location than I've ever eaten in my life. I mean, it was it was insane, but some of most of it was pretty tough to 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 get down all right so go on every marine's got to have his little uh battle dress up thing you know i forget what that's called somebody tell me what that is but you know when you put your helmet and your flak jacket and uh you know your weapon and all your kit there i got my nice little display so the moment they say go boom i got all my stuff ready to rock all right go on uh yeah you can hit play so this is one of the first ops we did we're leaving Kiev to go to Erpen. And uh, I'm in the I'm in the little jump seat, I guess, in the middle of this truck. And you can uh, maybe jump ahead a little bit. Nobody wants to just watch us drive a truck, but yeah, watch him. He's honking his horn. And he's basically telling, hey, everyone, get out of the way. Like, all military vehicles have priority at this time in Kiev. And so, look, you can see all the vehicles off to the right. You got this full screen, right, John? Yeah. Okay. So you can see all the vehicles are off to the right. Military has priority on the left. And so uh, that's how it was for, like, the first month and a half. It was everyone, military vehicles just had their own uh, road, basically. All right, you can move on to the next one. Um, oh yeah, this is a video. So this is us getting out to, uh, to our pen. Skip ahead a bunch, a big chunk. Yeah, see oncoming traffic has to stop. Skip ahead a big chunk. Yeah, you got all these road barriers. 
that got old really fast, man. You got all these barriers all the time, so you're just zigzagging and stuff. And if you're sitting in, like, a bad seat in the vehicle, you start getting nauseated. <laughs> but skip ahead. I think that's it. So let's go to the next thing. Okay. So this is us walking in. Now, this is... Oh, this is our first time going to Urpin. Um, and I've got... Uh, thanks to Ken. Uh, Ken Ree. Um, if you guys are following... Ukraine and following the International Legion, you've uh, definitely heard about Ken, and um, he loaned me one of his GoPros, and so I've got that sitting on my chest, and so that's where all this stuff is. I'm not playing um, combat journalist where I've got my phone out the whole time or anything. A lot of this is all like screen caps of um, of uh, of the video stuff, right? So this is what it looks like while we're uh, walking in. All that smoke, I'll go back. So all that smoke and everything, that's Bucha in the distance. So you've heard about the massacre of all the civilians in Bucha. What happens is from the north, Russians are coming down from Belarus, and one of the places they, they smashed was Bucha, and a lot of civilians got killed there. And then the next stop was Erpin. And Erpin was the last stop before getting to Kiev. So if Erpin fell it's very likely that Urpin would have fallen because there's, um, once you get past Urpin, it's all straight road that gets you right into Kiev and there's not really um, natural barriers that would stop you. And so what we're walking towards, the reason why we're walking around is because the overpass, the bridge that went over the river, uh, the Ukrainians uh, detonated that and destroyed it so that no vehicles could drive past. So as we're walking into Urpin, we're watching everything in the wake of the Russians is on fire, and we're walking up to basically the uh, to the front line. So go ahead. It's kind of ironic because you think, well, you're in a combat environment and everything's going to be all rugged and stuff. Well, to do some spotting, to do a little reconnaissance, to do a little bit of checking things out, right? Uh, it's nice to have an elevated position to look down. Why do you think cats like to always be up in trees and looking down, right? So um, we're in this penthouse apartment, like nice marble tile, nice chandelier, and there we are like with all our stuff. He, um, one of the dudes there has a pair of binoculars, and so we're just checking things out. Go on. This is a great image to show you what's going on. So you can see all the trees to the left. That's the Central Park in Erpin. Um, and then to the right is like another part of the city of Erpin. But this road going off in the distance where the smoke is, that's University uh, University Road Drive Boulevard. It's University Street. And that is the boundary line. So on the left in the trees are the Russians. And we could see them. Absolutely, from that elevated position. And on across that street is the Ukrainian line. Um, it's interesting because a front line, you think about it in a combat environment, a front line usually is all zigzaggy and wonky and you don't know if someone's going to flank you or whatever. Like, it was very clearly defined. You guys on this side of the street, you guys on this side of the street. It was kind of interesting. Um, and I know, like, in urban... Um, in urban combat, you'll see that a lot, like a street line, but it's just such a defined, long, straight street. And it was that way. The boundary of the front line was that way across the entire city of Erpin. And um, so, I don't know. I, I found that interesting. But go ahead. 
This is our team. Um, I know Ken was cool with his face showing, and uh, there's me in the back. And then um, I didn't get clearance on all these other dudes. This is the original team that we had. Um, and so I, I just blurred their faces. But this is uh, these are our dudes. Let's go on. There it is, baby. There's the cat food. <laughs> that stuff looks gross, right? That is disgusting. Um, so you open the MRE, and you could see on the right that it's just bags of canned mystery goop. I mean, it, it's goop. I mean, it's like pate, and uh, who knows how long it's been in that can, man. And uh, it's just crackers and goop, man, and that's your meal. And um, after a few days of that in the field, you really craving anything, anything substantial because you're really not getting the calories you need. And every calorie that you do eat is is agony. Um, so let's move on. So you may have seen uh, this picture in Ken's um, stuff on YouTube and his website and whatever, um, this hole that he was in. So this is a little behind-the-scenes photo um, I took of... Uh, we're just kind of keeping an eye through this little keyhole uh, to try to see what's going on. Um, so let's go to the next picture. Oh, actually, I didn't have the picture. We'll find it here in a second. But there's a picture of Ken where he's sitting there, and that's kind of one of his common pictures you'll see. But hit play here. <laughs> yeah, not working out so well for this dude. There's a guy... For those listening, there's a guy trying to breach a door, and um, we don't have breaching tools, man. <laughs> He's got this little crappy Fisker, I think that is the brand, Fiskars, Fisker. I mean, it's meant for, like, chopping some little sticks for, like, your campfire, you know, when you go glamping. And these doors in Ukraine, Ukraine, what is with your doors, man? Like, what are you, you're totally ready for the apocalypse. Look, you can see the metal in this door. These are metal framed doors in concrete walls. And the doors themselves are like heavy, dense aluminum on like triple sided aluminum and stuff. I mean, we can, we're trying to get through these doors in these apartment buildings so that we can get overwatch on stuff going on. Right. And, Breaching was a nightmare, man, um, because we just didn't have the tools that we needed. Um, ironically, Adam, who I mentioned earlier, his wife and her family have been doing humanitarian work and volunteer work for years um, since 2014. And they finally got us some good breaching tools, like big crowbars, big axes. And then we shortly were done in our pen and we went somewhere else. And so thank you so much for getting us that gear. But um Man, it was quite an adventure to just try to get through these doors. A lot of uh, a lot of tough times. Anyway, it was it's kind of funny to just watch this dude smashing away with a crappy axe at this door that just isn't going anywhere. But we finally get in. It just uh, takes takes a while. All right, go on. Um, yeah, this is a video. You can turn that up a little bit. A bunch of artillery in the distance. Yeah, exactly. We've got a uh, bunch of trees on fire over there. Tons of smoke. And the Russians are going to have to contend with this fire. So pause that. So what's going on here is that we had just called for fire. 
there was a volley of uh, artillery in a certain area, and um, and so whatever that was hit there is like it's a big fire. Um, and I don't know that the video gives it justice because I don't know. You know, the human eye looks at things a little differently than a a, a camera because it's kind of two dimensional versus three dimensional, I guess. But that was a big fire, and that thing was lit up for a long time. And uh, so whatever we hit was, um, I don't know, something. Um, it was hard to see through the trees, but we just knew that that was like, um, you know, an area of uh, of something. Um, and again, if there's anyone on uh, YouTube uh, screening this or watching this, it's not, um, we're not glorifying this in any way. We're just saying like, this is something that happened. And um and we're not advocating that anyone participate in this kind of activity or anything. Um, so, okay. Um, yeah, you can move on. So I have this blurred out. And again, uh, YouTube content people, this isn't to um, glorify or disgust anybody. Um, and we're blurring out the uh, the images uh, of that may distress somebody. But um, this was right across the street into the park. And so you can see this vehicle had smashed into a tree and, um, and there's somebody there on the ground. Um, and I'll try to choose my words carefully. Cause again, I'm not trying to incite disgust or, um, or distress or any, in, or anything like that in anybody, but this person had expired on the ground next to their vehicle and we're not clear on, um, the circumstances, but, um, prior just prior to us arriving to that area there had been quite a lot of uh, heavy um, Russian fire so like they were shooting 30 caliber weapons um, things off of BTRs things like that and so I'm not I'm looking at this vehicle I'm not seeing bullet damage necessarily so I'm thinking that but you can see a lot of destruction uh, around the area so I'm thinking that there was artillery, there was machine gun fire, and this person may have swerved out of the way uh, to try to get to safety. They smashed into the tree, and um, and maybe the the car crash is what caused their um, uh, caused their death. I'm not sure, um, but there'd be things like that um, around, you know. And this this is just showing you like this is just some dude just trying to get to get to his family or get out of the way. And, um, you know, he wasn't allowed to get to safety. So when I think about the rules of engagement, conduct of war, things like that, um, if there's, if there's a, obviously a person, a civilian trying to get to safety, they're not a combatant. Um, you know, that's, that's the moment. That's, that's where it takes the intestinal fortitude, not the fire. That's where it takes the guts to say, I'm not gonna, um, let my weapon fly because I have the mental discipline to understand like this person isn't going to do me harm. They're just trying to go get safe. And, um, and in some cases, uh, we saw that they, uh, the Ukrainian civilians were not allowed to do that. They were not allowed to get to safety. They were, um, um, basically just, um, treated poorly. Um, I'll, that's the lightest way I can put it. Let's go to the next thing. This is an interesting thing, so check this out. Listen to the video. All right, we are at the ground floor of a uh, big apartment building, and um, it's like a totally deserted grocery store. 
And so I'm shopping for the boys. I've got some Oreos, I've got some stuffed olives with salmon, which is great because they're uh, low on protein. Um, pineapple slices. I'm about to go to the other side and see what else we can get. So literally, as artillery is like going off in the distance, we're hearing machine gun fire and stuff. I am grocery shopping for the boys. Okay, so maybe I'm a little too giddy in that moment. Um, it was it was kind of a just a unique experience because remember we're eating cat food and crackers for days and um, we didn't really go back to Kiev for a while. So if you go out on uh, to do some work, uh, maybe you pull back to like a, a safe house that's in Urpin to get a few hours of shut eye, um, in some like abandoned apartments. And then you get back out there to the, um, you know, to the front to do your work, but eating, eating cat food and crackers, um, sleeping on somebody's couch, in someone's apartment, um, or just a pile of blankets on the floor, um, and there's no heat or electricity, right? So it's freezing. And so at some point you just, your energy levels just start depleting, right? And uh, it's tough to stay as ready as you were on day one. And so we're up doing this Overwatch thing, as I showed you earlier. And so we're like, hey, let's do a little quick patrol around the building. Let's check out our surroundings. Let's let's do all that. Well, we had been patrolling the building and for the most part, the building was pretty much abandoned. Nobody's down there on the bottom floor because everything's all shuttered up and closed up. And then I noticed uh, this one built window on our side of the building that wasn't facing the front. Uh, a window had been kind of cracked. So I was like, hmm, okay. Well, at first, I'm kind of on alert. I'm thinking this is a security thing. Let me check it out, see what's going on. And I cracked the window open, and I look, and it's a whole grocery store on the bottom floor of this building and it's mostly ransacked. I mean, there's no meat, there's no good stuff, right? So you can see I'm, I got a can of pineapples, a couple packages of Oreos and salmon stuffed olives. And I thought, Oh, there's protein salmon in there, right? Those tasted disgusting. <laughs> Those are gross. I would have rather eaten the cat food than those salmon stuffed olives. But we just needed some food, man. We needed some energy, and and I thought, hey, let me get a little basket together. Um, so I radioed, hey, come, you know, send a dude down because um, we're going to continue to do our little recon, little patrol thing. So send someone dude down, just grab this basket and send it up to the guys. Big morale booster. Packet of Oreos and a Coke. I mean, in that situation, it's your morale just skyrockets, right? You guys know if you've been there. So I was just kind of giddy beside myself because I'm like, I can't believe 30 meters away is are the Russians across the front line. I'm in a grocery store, full tack kit, and I've got a basket in my hand and I'm loading up groceries to send up to the guys. And it was just a real surreal moment, right? Um, and for those, anybody questioning or watching, like that place had been abandoned and it's, we weren't, I think when it comes to like wartime, like f getting food to hungry troops is not viewed as theft. And we didn't view it as theft. We viewed it as we were hungry and we needed just some caffeine and sugar and some anything that could give us extra calories. We're burning thousands and thousands of calories a day. We And so 
um, you know, we're not looking to party or have a, a big time. We just wanted to get some food. And so that was the objective there. And so I think um, hopefully under understanding those circumstances, you guys will give us a pass on taking the food without paying for it. Um, but let's go to the next one. And here we go. This is it. I live in an abandoned grocery store 30 meters away from the Russian line. I have found a Pepsi mango. Yeah, that was worth the wait. All right, pause that. So, <laughs> so I found my Pepsi mango. A thousand percent worth the wait, but keep in mind, I've just been run ragged for a few days, so like anything with sugar in it tasted incredible, but a Pepsi mango is pretty darn good, so if you guys are interested, it's a, it's a nice drink. So yeah, let's move on. Okay, so f- next to that grocery store, we didn't know, we were clearing the bot. now that we know the window was open and that people could get in there if they wanted to, we, we cleared through the grocery store to another door. And through that door is a Domino's pizza next to the grocery store. So, again, a super surreal moment. It's just kind of weird, man. Like, when you go to Iraq and Afghanistan, like, you're just in huts and in the desert and stuff, right? It just doesn't feel like anything familiar to you. So, it feels like, oh, I'm in a... I'm in some kind of war zone. But here, man, like, I'm drinking Pepsi and I'm in a Domino's pizza. And it's just so weird. So... We're in the far back. Um, we availed ourselves of the toilet. So apo- great apologies to anyone that had to clean all that up. But, you know, we got to go somewhere. And so we did use the toilet. Uh, so we went to the far back. And so we started cycling guys down from the Overwatch spot to just be able to go to the bathroom. And um, and so we're using the bathroom and the dominoes. And then at the front windows, we got a really good line of sight of that park. We can see if anyone's coming. So we started using that as kind of a little bit of a uh, observation post to just kind of see what's going on the ground floor. Because from higher up, it was harder to see through the trees, you know, because all we see looking down is just thick tree cover. So now we're on the ground floor. We can see through the trees and see if anyone's out there. So let's go to the next picture. There's some things in war that are actually beautiful. And I don't expect everyone to understand that, but... This building had been shredded up. You can see the b- markings from the 30 caliber bullets on the wall. Windows are smashed. This building's pretty torn up, right? And then there's the moon in the distance, and uh, the sun's about to go down. And it's like this really quiet, calm moment. And so I decided to take this picture and just capture a really serene moment amidst a bunch of chaos and um it's hard for me to put in the words just like the meaning of this picture of tragedy and death and sadness but you know the sun will rise the moon will will rise and um and our pin's actually a beautiful town beautiful area it's lots of trees and it's a really pretty place so um this Hard again, hard to put in the words, but this picture is pretty meaningful. Let's move on. We found some cans of, I think, corned beef. Um, it wasn't amazing because, again, no heat, no electricity, so everything's frozen. Remember, we're freezing our butts off out there. 
Um, I could spend a whole thing just talking to you guys about the, the situation of us dealing with the cold. Um, but nevertheless, this is half frozen cans of corned beef, but man, the protein, that was heaven, heaven. You guys, I mean, the feeling in my stomach after eating that whole can, I know it looks disgusting, but it is full of good fat, good protein, good energy. I felt like a million bucks after eating that can of, of mush, <laughs> but they were chunks. It was chunks of meat. I mean, it was big chunks of corned beef. So it was good. I think there was some kind of seasoning in it, a light seasoning. Ukrainians don't like spices, but they do season things. So it was good. All right, let's move on. All right. This dog, this poor dog, you can already see it's kind of bloated on the sides. So the dogs of her pen is a whole thing, man. I wish someone would make a, a video, a, a documentary or something of the dogs and cats of, of Ukraine going through the war because it's, dude, the Russians are barreling down on Irpin um, on their way to Kiev and they're going to smash everything, right? So everyone's just like, we're getting out of here. So people left their dogs and cats in the yard and um, and to fend for themselves. So you've got all these animals just like kind of hanging out with us, following us around. So this one dog, you know, there's 30 plus guys cycling back and forth through this building all the time to like do a little R and R not R and R, but um, just catch a few hours of sleep in, in this, this is the apartment kind of in the rear of her pen, get a few hours of sleep and go back to the front. And this dog, everybody thought that this dog hadn't been eating. So everybody was feeding this dog and we gave it everything, cat food, some, some of the corned beef, like we were feeding this dog. And then, <laughs> so we go out, we leave for an op and come back. This dog, had made a mess everywhere. It was peeing and pooping in everybody's apartment and every it was it just exploded, man, this poor dog. But hey, it was fed. Uh we kept it, took care of it. So go to the next one. So this is us, you know, we're scavenging for food again. This is uh I think a few days later in a different place in our pen, but we're we're just looking for food, man. Crackers, sodas, just anything. Um Obviously, we're doing our very best to respect people's homes because we know they're going to be coming back to their homes. So we made sure, like, obviously, we're not stealing people's personal possessions, um, anything like that. Uh, we wouldn't have done that. But um, food, these people are gone. The food's going to go bad anyway. We're hungry. Um, so food was kind of a given. Like, we're going we're gonna to eat that, drink the water. You can see uh, uh, one of the guys has a water bottle in his hand. So anytime we found water, that was a big score because then we're not having to, um, you know, dehydrate ourselves. All right, let's go on. There's the dog again, drinking some water. All right, let's keep going. This building, dude, dealing with the cold, this building, man. So I don't know who picked this building <laughs> for us to do our our little like overwatch recon thing to ba base our operations out of for our team. But all these buildings are furnished. They all have uh, drywall and insulation and beds and blankets and all that stuff. Right. And they gave us the one building that was under construction that had no drywall, no insulation, no anything for warmth. And so at the, in the night, I don't know what it is, man. And I want someone to explain this to me because it's actually warmer outside but you go inside these, I call this the ice palace. So we get to the ice palace, man. And at night it is 
10 degrees, 15 degrees colder in this building than it is outside. And this thing doesn't let heat in. And it's like this reverse uh, thing. I thought heat's supposed to stay inside and uh, no heat was in this building. So these are not blankets. These are insulation wraps for whatever. They were. There was all these construction materials in the building. So these are insulation wraps made out of fiberglass. I cut these in the strips and made blankets for the guys. And because they were so thin and they didn't insulate enough, I made two or three blankets for each dude. And then zoom in to the far right there, John. You see like a green pad on the ground? Keep going to the right if you can. I don't know if it slides. Yeah, there's a little green thing there. So you know how you put insulation up the um, in the wall? So you've got the wood framing, you roll up the insulation, and then you put the drywall over it. So that, that's the insulation. All fiberglass stuff, right? We're laying on fiberglass pads to insulate us from the ground, and then we have fiberglass blanket wraps. And so every, it's ice cold in there, man. Everyone's shivering, freezing their bodies off <laughs> and uh freezing man and uh this is barely keeping us warm uh it's actually not really keeping us warm it's just keeping us from um losing heat down into the floor and from any airflow over the top of like kind of sucking heat away from us so that's all it's doing but we're not actually staying warm so we've got all our kit on we're sleeping with our boots and everything on and um we're absolutely freezing one of the dudes got, I think, pre-hypothermic. I don't think he was fully hypothermic. He was in bad shape. And so we had to evac him out in the middle of our time there um, and get him back to the rear so he could get warm. And um, But it was it was pretty dang cold, man. That's probably the coldest night I had in all of my time in Ukraine was, was that night. And um, you know that feeling when you wake up in the morning and you feel like your soul has been sucked out of your body because it's so cold? Like... That's the feeling, man. Um, maybe we got two hours of sleep and we did, you know, rotations. Obviously, we have to stand guard, right? So it's not just everybody goes to sleep. It's not, we're not camping like we're doing work, you know? So you have people doing watch at night. And at this time, we don't have nighttime capabilities. Um, later on, we gained those, those capabilities, but we didn't have any nighttime capabilities. So, hey, just stand watch and wait till daybreak because we can't work at night. And so, um, and it's one thing if you're moving around at night, but just laying there and in the ice palace, freezing, uh, freezing your body off. It's pretty, it's pretty cold. So, um, so we cycle through a few guys sleep, a few guys are up on watch, you know? And, um, so I was the, at the time I was a two IC for the team and, um, Ken was the, uh, was the CO. And so, um, um, you got to do the job, man. I mean, the gunny does the work and takes care of the guys. So, um, I would take, um, two watches a night, just like in the middle one, because, um, I wanted to make sure that the guys could get as much sleep as they could, because sometimes when I'm away during the day doing leadership meetings and stuff like that, the guys are working and I'm, I got to go back and talk to the, you know, the commander and all that stuff. And so, um, if I'm getting a little bit of a break, from the work during the day, then I should be picking up the slack at night. And that's, it's a thing that in leadership that I think that's something that's missed is that, uh, oh, I'm in the leader. So all the guys do all the grunt work and stuff. And it's like, it's not the right look, man. It's not the right way to do it. So I think that, um, you know, I was taking the, uh, what's the worst shift during firewatch. It's like the, the two to three 
shift, you know, the three to four, like those are the ones that suck the most. Cause it's like, you can only get like three or four hours of sleep on each end, but there's no, you know, if you chop up the one in the middle, that's the one that sucks the most. So I tried to make sure that I took that from the guys and that's not a brag. I'm realizing now that can come across as a brag, but it's just something commenting on it. It's like, I was especially smoked because I wasn't getting long sleep in the middle. I was, I was, my sleep was pretty broken up. So go to the next picture. This is us in the ice palace. Um, and, uh, I've got the, they gave us the cold winter suit, the cold suit. Um, and then I was freezing, man, just cause again, I wasn't getting as much sleep. And so I was really cold and I was short on calories and stuff. So I kept the whole suit on a couple of the guys put on just the tops, but, um, my extremities don't stay warm in, in the winter time. So my ankles and legs are always cold. And, um, so I just kept the whole suit on. Um, it's a little more difficult to move around in, but got to stay warm. All right. Next one. Play this video. I thought this was funny. <laughs> Give me the finger. And then what? Watch. Hey, why does it take three guys to look out one window? <laughs> <laughs> so the little context there, there's three dudes looking out the same window because we thought earlier that somebody was doing something outside. And that's the whole crazy thing about the ice palace for, I think two days, like nothing was happening. Uh, and it was, and we're getting sucked dry. Just, it's so cold and we're so worn out and fatigued. And that's the real moment where you see like, can I maintain full capability there? And it it was tough, man. I got to say that was, that was one of the harder, harder things. It wasn't the, the enemy that was breaking us down. It was just the elements. And, um, so I just thought it was funny that you got three guys looking out the same window there. Um, now you might think, well, we're, we're really kind of skylining ourselves, like standing in, in the edge of the window there. Um, but the thing about the windows is on the outside, they kind of had this film on them. So you couldn't quite really see through the window clearly you could, but at an angle, it almost, it's almost like a screen protector. Like if you're straight on with it, you can see, um, cleanly through it but from the side it's almost like blurred or something like that so that's kind of what was going on so we weren't too worried about being in the window um and honestly after two days like nothing was going on it was quiet on both sides and so we're like what are we doing here like we're kind of looking for a way a reason to get out we're just everyone's getting sick we're freezing our bodies off we're tired um nothing's happening and uh something in, did end up happening, but again, I don't want to get into the combat stuff in this video, but at the very end, an opportunity presented itself. And then we had to leave anyway, because now we gave up our position because we, um, took care of something. So, <laughs> okay. So go on to the next thing. Here's some of the food that we got when we're back in the rear. And so when you get back to Kiev, um, it's nice to have coffee, one piece of chicken, always buckwheat, man, always buckwheat you're always getting porridge every day and then a slice of an orange. And that was pretty nice meal actually, uh, considering what we'd been eating for the days before go on. Um, this is not, this picture is not meant to incite fear or to be gross on purpose. It's just to show you, like we had a friend of ours, uh, in one of our teams, he got hurt. And initially we had thought it was shrapnel. Um, 
and it turned out to be something much more serious. But this dude showed himself to be truly a tremendous and courageous guy. Um, but, um, you know, accidents and bad things happen, right? When you're trying to help people and do good things. So let's go to the next picture. So this is him later in the hospital after we got him to safety and got him uh, checked out by the doctors. And you can see Ken there. He's holding a bullet fragment. I mean, the guy, it's actually a, the bullet had been degraded because it had ricocheted off of something, but um, it was a bullet actually like went into his chest cavity and um, penetrated his lung. So while the guy's essentially got a pneumothorax, he's, I think that's what it's called when your lung is penetrated, but when he's got his lung penetrated, he runs himself out of the situation. Like we didn't have to carry him and awesome dude. I can't, I've never seen it. Um, and there's, if you go to Ken's channel, I don't know that I even need to cover it because Ken kind of covered it. If you go to Ken's channel, you see it. There's a part where the guy is getting treated and he kind of he kind of goes out like he's done and he needs to get evac because he's not going to move. And then um, we say, all right, hey, time to go. Let's go. And he wakes up <laughs> and he's out. And he, all of a sudden he's amped up and he's running with us to evac himself out of the situation and uh so impressive i've never seen that before because usually once you're out you're out man until we get you to the hospital and you recover the dude popped out of it and ran himself with the rest of the team to uh to to get him evac it was pretty awesome all right let's go on this is just a collection of uh a bunch of cool stuff (laughs) it's pretty pretty awesome you can see some uh some uh, some nice cool things up at the top right there. You've got a nice collection of various things. And I thought, wow, when in uh, my military career am I ever going to see this variation of all these different tubes in one place? Um, pretty wild, you know. You don't uh, you don't see a collection of that kind of stuff very often. So it was definitely photo worthy, I think. All right, let's go on. So uh, this is another place we were at. We're not in our pen anymore. And um, some cute little puppies, man. They had obviously very recently been born. And you can see everybody wants to feed the puppy. That puppy is fat. <laughs> but they're they're getting taken care of, and they live in this little box. Um, it's kind of sad, but what are you going to do, man? I, I don't have a, a shelter to take them to, you know? So we just put some blankets over the box, you know, and that's where they sleep at night. And... There's some other dogs around that kind of hang out with them, so that's the situation. Let's go on. There's me. I'm just petting the dogs, and uh, we give them a can of tuna or whatever. Um, so let's move on. So it looks super gross. looks like a, a massacre just happened here, but this is fresh honey. And so the place we were at, you got to keep in mind, Ukraine is a lot of farmland, like a lot. And that's part of what the global crisis is about is that Farmland is um, being compromised, and there's not uh, they're not able to export crops. They're not able to export fertilizer, which Ukraine exports a lot of fertilizer. Um, but one of the farmers um, was in touch with us and gave us a giant thing of honeycomb. I mean, this is fresh honeycomb. Um, and then they also gave us milk. Dude, I mean, you've been eating cat food and crackers and porridge uh, for day buckwheat for days. I mean, when someone gives you literally milk and honey, um, it felt biblical. <laughs> like the, here's some milk and honey, man. So satisfying fresh milk off, off the cow 
it was delicious. I mean, and uh, I was surprised. Not everybody was super into it. Just me and one other dude were just getting after that milk, man. I mean, it was really good. Um, all right, go ahead. Everyone was putting that honey in their coffee. We made a hobo fire. So my thing, when I go camping with people, I do a lot of rock climbing, and I go out in the woods and stuff. I love to do the fire. I like to tend the fire, make the fire. It's just kind of fun for me. I like to do, be a part of the fire somehow. And so we're in this empty warehouse. And again, this location is not utilized right now. It's not going to be compromised by letting you guys see any visuals of it. Um, but we're in this in this empty building, and it's again another ice palace. And we're sleeping on these pads and just freezing, man. And I'm like, I'm tired of being cold. When is it going to get warm in this country? <laughs> and at this point, I think it's April and it's still freezing at night. And so I was like, I'm making a fire because we're in this big giant building and nobody's going to see that fire. Um, and we're, our building is pretty far enough in the rear that it was, it was safe. We were not like right on the front line. You know, we're several many miles back and that's where we were just sleeping. And I was like, we're good. We're, we're good. I'm going to make a fire. So made a hobo fire, I called it. And, um, and then we came up with the idea that somebody gave us some pork fat. You can hear it sizzle. And we're just making some, uh, grilling up some pork fat, man. And that was go to the next one, hit play on that. And one of the Ukrainian dudes, look at this. Look at this giant piece of pork fat, and he's grilling it till it gets juicy, and then he's slapping the, the fat from the pork all over the bread. So he's kind of quasi-frying it in pork fat. So let's go to the next thing. So, oh, and so hit play here. So this is apparently like a nice Ukrainian delicacy. You got pork fat fried bread. The onions, the fried pork fat. Fried pork fat and non-fried pork fat with a little bit of some, you know, scallions or onions. Yeah, and then some pork fat fried bread. That looks good. It does look good. This looks like a, almost looks like a bun me or something. I thought you said like duvet up. Cool, it's first. All right, you can move on. We don't have to. <laughs> I'm having a moment there. I'm like, wow, yeah, I remember the uh, the little sandwiches they made for us. Um, so yeah, this is where we're hanging out, man. Got the hobo fire in this like empty building, and uh, this this place did get smashed later, long after we were out of there. But I think there's a video out there on the internet of this exact place where the hobo fire is get like the roof is falling in on it. But um, luckily, nobody was there anymore. Nobody got hurt. Um, and I don't, I don't, yeah, that's it. So nobody's there anymore. Um, that's why I'm able to show it, but it was a unique place, man. Go to the next one. Oh, here's a picture I meant to show earlier. You can see, this is a kind of common picture that you'll see Ken there. And, uh, I took the, uh, I'm in that same place taking the picture with him. And there's a picture on the left. I circled too. There's another one that you can find on the internet. Um, we're hanging out. Um, so, anyway, yeah, that's cool. Go on. Oh, go back one more time. Hover the mouse over this. Uh, go down low, right there. That was the first op I think our whole unit had made into her pin, if I'm not mistaken. They were kind of on the roof doing some Overwatch stuff, 
And that was uh, the very first one, I think. That was just kind of a recce. They were just kind of checking things out, and that's when the Russians were right up on that building. I think those guys took 30 cal fire um, on that roof. But anyway, let's move on. Okay, this is the first one. I think this is March 11th of last year, 2022. So I had this app. Um, if you go to Live UA Map, it's an app. Um, this is the first, for me at least, it's the first known example where Ukrainians were using drones to destroy uh, Russian locations. So again, YouTube people listening, I'm not glorifying or magnifying anything. I'm not trying to disgust anyone or make anything gross. I'm just reporting this is a news thing that I saw. March 11th, 2022, um, Ukrainians were using drones to drop things. And and keep in mind, when you think of drone, don't think of like an American Reaper drone that's got fixed wings and it's flying and shooting rockets. I mean, this is like your homegrown drone that they uh, developed a trigger switch to hit the thing and it drops a, you know, a grenade onto the, under the location. It's that sort of drone. So that's my first knowledge of, uh, of drones being used, but go ahead. I think that was March 11th. Um, I'm not sure why I put that in there. Just some dudes hanging out, <laughs> looking at the windows. Just another uh, video. I think some of this is out of order because now that's back in her pen, but I'm just standing there. Uh, let's go on. I didn't mean to have this in the, in the thing. Um, getting smashed like a sandwich into the truck. That's a common deal, you know, when you're a troop. So that happens. Uh, let's keep going. This is already out there on the internet. Uh, me and a couple of the guys, um, we're just, uh, we're hanging out waiting for something to happen um, way back in the rear. But I think we're meeting somebody or figuring something out, training. I don't know what we were doing, but just hanging out. So um, good times. You meet some cool people in this situation, right? Uh, let's go on. That's me looking through a little opening there with some binos. Keep going. Okay, this is, uh, I was looking for this picture earlier. This is me totally smoked, man. I mean, I found a little baby crib mattress. Before that, I was sleeping straight on the tile because there wasn't anything to sleep on. And um, I was just getting my soul sucked out of my body because of uh, how cold it was. And, you know, when you sleep on a metal or tile surface or something, it just sucks all the energy out of your body. So I'm smoked. So daytime comes, they're up and working. <laughs> I'm just zonked out man so go to the next one so then they put a, one of those emergency blankets on me like I was I was pretty I was pretty cold you can almost see it in my face I'm just like pale and just like no no energy but that one hour nap I had gold baby solid gold all right next uh one of the many basements that we're in just kind of refitting our gear and redoing everything so that's that <laughs> i like this picture because we'd go to these apartments to like kind of get a couple hours of sleep and we just take all the blankets and pile them on us just to try to get warm again and uh and this bed had this little chandelier thing like right above the bed so we just having a little fun all right go on yeah, some of these got out of order. There's a hobo fire, and uh, that's what it would be, man. It was just before everyone was all spread out throughout this warehouse, and then 
uh, we get the hobo fire going, and now it's like the central hub, man. It's like everyone sits around the fire. This is like what we do, you know. It's like you sit around the fire, and we collect our thoughts, and we um, just share some of that camaraderie together. Um, the little decompression from the events of the of the day before, that sort of deal. Go on. Okay, so again, I'm, I'm not trying to incite disgust or alarm in anybody. Uh, I'm just showing you that this is something that happened to me. Um, and I'm not going to get into that video today, but um, it's important to have a helmet, everybody. If you don't have a helmet, uh, bad things can happen to you. And uh, I learned a lesson the hard way. Um, certainly in a circumstance that I didn't expect I needed to be wearing a helmet because uh, I was under the impression that we were in a area of relative safety. Um, but again, uh, you always have to be alert and aware and always be prepared have uh have everything that you need with you in the event that something could happen and uh and it did so in this case um again i'm not trying to be gross or anything i'm just showing you like this is uh um i got hit in the head and um yeah things happen so safety wear your helmet um and uh go to the next one john here's some of the fun human stuff that you see you get uh um, goats stealing your pack of cigarettes and eating them. That's not my pack of cigarettes. It's one of the other guys, but the guy pulled out a pack of cigarettes to get a smoke and the goat ran up and just ate the whole <laughs> whole pack and uh, ran away with it and just started munching it down. And it was like, what are you doing? Have you done this before, goat? Like, is this what you do? This is like, did you think it was food? And halfway through chewing it, you realized it wasn't food, but you now have already taken it, so you got to finish chewing it and swallowing it? Or do you have you already eaten a pack of cigarettes before you know what it tastes like, you like it, and you continue chewing it because that's what you do? I don't know. So many questions I have for this goat. But anyway, this goat ate a, a whole pack of cigarettes. All right, go on. Here's some of the moments in life amidst this chaos. I'm back in the rear in Kiev, and there's a piano available. So uh, I availed myself of the opportunity to have a little decompression time, and uh, Ken was kind enough to uh, film that for me. To an empty lobby. <laughs> I'm playing for an empty lobby. All right, you can go on. But anyway, I just had my little moment. And here's, uh, here's Erpin. So I'm going to fast forward a little bit on the whole thing, guys, because, again, I'm not focused on the combat stuff. But here's what I want to talk about, uh, kind of tying this all together, is that um, before I conclude with our pin, is that we, coming back to the States, uh, a number of volunteers, we saw that there's an ongoing need. So even though we're back home because we still had to take care of our our situations, right? Many of us have... Um, houses and children and uh, lives that we have to tend to, right? And so we can't indefinitely be uh, over there uh, forever. Um, and so I had the very unfortunate feeling of being feeling so guilty about having to leave because, um, you know, I needed to take care of things at home. But being back home, I was like, I got to do something. I, I can't just still... Ha, ha, having to leave my guys, having to leave the, the Ukrainians, to leave all the people, to leave um, the cause. 
And so we wanted to form a nonprofit organization to help in humanitarian efforts, right? So I have to distinguish the difference of what I was doing when I was over there from the nonprofit efforts. And so, John, if you want to, if you could pull up the website. Um, so we formed the Ukraine Independence Fund. And so um, we've got the scrolling banner here. So that's announcing this podcast, actually. So the Ukraine series, we're beginning a, a series of videos where we're talking about Ukraine. This is number one next week where uh, Ryan Macbeth is on. So if you go to his YouTube channel, Ryan Macbeth Programming, um, he does a lot of YouTube stuff talking about Ukraine, talking about Ukrainian military, Russian military. He talks about that stuff. So it's going to be a cool conversation March 20th. Be looking for that next week. Um, and then coming up on the 24th, we've got a camp and shoot event. So fundraiser, uh, but scroll down. Let me talk about Ukraine independence fund. So what is our objective? We want to raise money to provide medical supplies. So that's first aid kits, trauma kits, uh, things that doctors would need to do surgeries, um, any kind of medical equipment and it's in high demand. So if you think that all that stuff is covered, I had someone the other day, I'm paraphrasing, he said that if anyone's under the mistaken impression that we're all good on medical equipment, it's like we're completely far from good on medical equipment. Like that's something that it's constantly a need um, because you've got civilians um, all over the place that are constantly coming under fire and they need uh, immediate help. And so uh, the best kind of medicine to provide in that situation when they've come under fire is uh, a tactical medicine, right? So you've got um, combat medics that are um, and highly skilled nurses and people like that that are going to um, help those people, take them to casualty collection points and, um, and give them medical aid. So we're raising money for those medical supplies. Also, um, PPE, personal protective equipment. We want to raise money for helmets, uh, body armor, plate carriers with the plates in them, um, eyewear, ear, uh, ear protection, um, anything like that. So if you have a humanitarian aid worker, volunteer, or somebody that's working in these hostile locations, they're in harm's way. And so they're trying to help somebody that was hurt. And if they themselves are getting hurt, then now you have two casualties and they can't, nobody can help anyone, right? So we want to raise money for that protective equipment for those aid workers, those humanitarian people. Um, there's also people that are not just doing uh, medical aid. There are volunteers that are delivering supplies, food, water, medical, fuel, um, to help generators so people have power for heat um, so they can uh, charge their phones and call their families and say they're okay. Like there's a lot of things that are still needed for these people. And so someone that's in a vehicle that's delivering these supplies, they need protective equipment. Um, they need um, to be clothed. They need to have food. Um, these volunteers, I, I know many personally, and we have volunteers with the Ukraine Independence Fund, Many of these volunteers are paying out of their own pocket to be there. I did. I, I spent, I won't even get into the number, but I spent a lot of my personal uh, savings, my retirement savings, I spent a lot of money to self-deploy myself over there. And I'm not the only one that did that. So people are spending a lot of their money to buy themselves food, clothing, fuel for their vehicle. They're buying vehicles over there to help deliver supplies. And again, I'm not talking about warfare stuff. I'm not talking about combat things. I'm talking about volunteers delivering humanitarian aid. 
and um and uh and they're doing it out of their own pocket and that was the 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 desire and the heart of the UIF is that we want to help these volunteers with their basic needs the protective equipment medical supplies for them clothing food logistical support finally uh is our last one and that's if like they need a train ticket they need fuel for their vehicle they need a plane ticket back home um anything like that so can you pull up the the folder there john and go through some of those pictures for uif um so there's some things that are uh not taken care of think about the billions of dollars that are rolling over from the U.S., Great, uh, the U.K., um, Germany, Poland, like all these countries, uh, many countries are giving money, right, for to help Ukraine in aid. But that's tanks, rockets, guns, ammo. That's all that big-ticket item stuff, right? But what is it when a volunteer is killed? What is it when uh, they're injured and they're in the hospital, is, are those billions of dollars addressing that situation? To some extent, yes, but not not in, in, in its entirety. Um, and that's where we saw with the Ukraine Independence Fund, we want to fill in that gap, that there are people over there that are volunteering that are not having their basic needs met. And we want to meet those basic needs, and that's really the heart of what we're doing. So here is our friend Greg. He was a medic. He was killed. And uh, one of the most awesome individuals I've ever met. I mean, I can't express enough what an awesome dude Greg was. Um, Not a combat guy, just a guy that believed in the cause, believed in defending his country. He's Ukrainian, uh, Canadian dual citizen. Um, He was killed uh, trying to help people. And um, this is a funny story. we're we're in Kiev and we're in one of the hotel lobbies and the press is all over Kiev, right? And so we see this press flak jacket, like this old school, you know, desert storm looking press flak jacket. And uh, we thought it was funny and nobody's sitting there. Nobody's protecting it or guarding. It. It's just sitting there in the lobby and we're like, hey, this is hilarious. And so we're like, hey, put this on. Let's get some pictures. And so I take, his, uh, take a couple of pictures of him wearing this thing. And then we're like, well, nobody's touching this. And so we were like, well, let's take it back to the guys and we'll have fun with it. We'll just have a good time. And so we get in his truck and then we're like, uh-oh, something's beeping over there. But um, so we get in his truck and um, uh, and then we both look at each other like, yeah, we can't take this. Like, it's wrong. Like, let's go put it back. So we go put it back and then we look up and there's a guy across the way sitting on a couch and he looks at us. And, uh, and he's kind of laughing and we're like, is this yours? And he's like, yeah. And we're like, well, why'd you let us take it? (laughs) He goes, I just thought it was funny. It was fun to watch. And we're like, all right, well, here's your thing back, man. Thanks for letting us have a little fun and, uh, we'll see you later. But it was, Greg was a fun guy, man. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I just want to honor him. But a part of what the Ukraine independence fund did, um, and is doing is that we wanted to help take care of the funeral. Um, and then, um, there's a project down the road and I don't know if it's going to unravel, uh, or not, or if it's going to come together, but we had a project to put together some first aid kits. We were going to, there's another nonprofit that's doing it. Um, 
uh, working out, doing all the legwork, but to make some first aid kits um, in Greg's honor where the pouches were made in Ukraine and then it's filled with medical equipment that's like U.S.-based good kit. And, um, and so we want, we want to be able to donate to that project. Um, and so I know that's coming up soon. So we're hoping that that actually manifests because it'd be really cool to see these first aid kits handed out to people that need them that are made in, uh, Greg's honor. There'd be like a little thing about Greg in there and everything. Um, so anyway, uh, let's move on. Our other, uh, friend and brother, um, Daniel Swift, who was, uh, over there in Ukraine, he was killed. Um, at the, pretty much the same time as Greg. And um, it was unfortunate to see that the logistics in place to take care of a fallen brother uh, to get get their body back to the States, to repatriate them, bring them back to the country of origin, to get them to the family, to do the funeral. Um to get Dan back to the States was a Mac, a massive effort by a ton of people. And you, all of you guys who were a part of that, you really know who you are. And, um, but it was a massive undertaking by a bunch of people. And it was, it was kind of a cluster. It was a mess, you know, because nobody knew how to do this. Nobody had ever had a, a volunteer American foreign fighter fighting in another nation uh, get killed in action, and then how do you repatriate them back to the, the States? I mean, nobody had done that. Nobody's an expert in that. So trying to get that to happen was a massive undertaking. Um, there are benefits that the Ukrainian government will do, and I'm not taking anything away from the Ukrainians. They they, they gave him a beautiful honor ceremony in Ukraine. Um, they definitely did a lot of work to, to help work through the paperwork with the customs and all of that. Um, but again, it's just something that not everyone has experience in doing. So it was just a lot of work on the part of a lot of people. Um, and so it did get confusing at times, but we did get him back home. And that's part of what the UIF wants. That's, that's one of the gaps that the UIF wants to fill in is that these funerals are not being taken care of back home. Once the body is repatriated and it's back home, it's on the families to bury their loved one. And we don't want that to happen. We want to take care of that. And so part of what the UIF did was to take care of, um, go to the next picture. Uh, you can see the family. We had some memorial bracelets made. I'm wearing one now, uh, for Greg and Dan, um, to give out to the families, right. And to the brothers. Um, and so we had a couple made one for Dan, one for Greg, and um, they were made, these bracelets are beautiful. Um, and inside the band, you've got, for Dan, you've got Long Live the Brotherhood, LLT, uh, LLTB. And then in Greg's, Horoyam um, uh, Slava um, for Greg's inside band bracelet. But really cool bracelets. Um, and uh, so that's kind of what we're doing. We want to help the families out with the funerals. We want to help the families out with like some bracelets give some bracelets out to the guys, things like that. And um, I wanted to give a shout-out to uh, Ranger S5. Um, so Ranger S5 made these bracelets, and they're really awesome. So I just want to give a shout-out to them that they, they made some amazing bracelets and really beautiful and just honored our guys. So thank you, uh, Ranger S5. So you can go to rangers5.com to get those bracelets. So go to the next one. So this is the funeral. You can see Adam there on the left and his 
um, army uniform. And, um, it's funny. One of, uh, well, I don't want to get into personal family stuff, but it was a touching time to be there with Dan's family and just to be able to help them out. And, um, and we had some of the guys from Ukraine over there and we had a, a number of seals in, in attendance as well. So it was really cool to have that representation. Cause if you read Dan's book, that was his wish that if he's, if he's killed or dead, um, his wish at his funeral was that his family, um, his biological family and his military family could come together and remember him. And that's exactly what happened. And it was a beautiful time. And, um, it went from sadness, uh, to just, uh, a nice remembrance of our friend. Um, and I think that's what needs to happen. So if, if any other, I hope it doesn't happen, but if any other American dudes are, um, killed over there that's what the uif wants to do we want to be a part of that to just make sure our guys are looked after because yes things are being looked after there are accommodations that the ukrainian government is making and um, there are things that are being done but things like this like the actual funeral itself back in the states that's on the families because it's not the american government or the american military covering that um, it's on the families, and so that shouldn't be the case. And so um, that's what the UIF is. It's it's a, a group of volunteers that we're in Ukraine ourselves that want to help the cause and make sure that the gaps that are not being filled can be filled as much as they can by us. Let's move on to the next thing. This is our uh, one of our brothers who was, um, who was shot um, trying to get, uh, trying to help some people, and... Um, he's had some injuries and so we we've blurred his face but you can hit play here and so part of what we've been doing is helping him with some of his uh medical supplies helping him with some of his um getting his clothing and stuff a lot of his things were kind of destroyed and so you can see him learning to walk again and uh get strong and so you can move on so there he is with dan um and so um He's he's getting way stronger now. I mean, he's you know we were helping him out getting uh, his his gear back together, his clothing, his medical kit. Um, uh, we're being very careful that um, the UIF, because we're a nonprofit, we obviously can't be um, dealing in weapons trade or anything like that. We're not interested in that. So we're specifically focused on clothing, medical kits the things I mentioned earlier, and that's really what we're interested in, uh, in focusing on logistical support and in some cases, funerals, that sort of thing. But he's, um, up and walking around now and, uh, getting stronger every day. So it's, it's really cool to see, um, that we can, um, we can help our dudes. Um, let's go. I think that's it. So let's go back to the, uh, the Ukraine separate folder. Thanks, John. Um, and I think it's at the bottom. Um, so go to the, the, the left one. No, uh, just a little to the right. That one, yeah, sorry. So getting back to Erpen, getting back to Ukraine, talking about the end of my time there, and it's time to go home, and I'm in agony, and I just I hate that I have to leave, but I know that I have to. It's I got to take care of my child. I've got to take care of my house. I'm burning through my retirement savings. I just can't afford to do it anymore. And, um, and so 
here we are though, we're leaving the forward area that we were in and there's a handful of us that have to go for similar reasons. Um, right. It's just, we're just not able to stay anymore. So we're, we're in our pen. We, we go back to Kiev and we know it's time to go. We got a day before it's time to travel back to Poland. What do we do? We got a day. Let's go check out these places. So one of the places we went to check out, we went back to Erpin. Here I am standing in front of the building, standing in front of Novus, the grocery store, in more or less civilian attire, eating a hot dog that they were selling on the street. Guys, two and a half, three months before that, three months before that day, it was, that was hostile territory that you better not be there without protective equipment and a gun. Or you better not even just be standing out in front of that building because you have no cover. And that's the grocery store where we were scavenging for food to survive. And now I'm eating a hot dog on the street in civilian attire. Go on to the next thing. Look at this. Before you even hit play, you can see this woman and children hit play. Driving through our pen now. And it's blowing my mind. We've got women and children. Oh, I remember this park. Got stores with electricity now. All right, so pause it right there. So I'm—you even heard it. I said I'm, it's blowing my mind. I can't believe that that's the same place. You got kids out on their bikes. Couples are walking through the park holding hands. People are shopping. Cars are driving through the street. Stores have lights. It's the same place, man. Why? Because of the work that the Ukrainian military did, the Ukrainian citizens of Ukraine. There's many stories that I have where civilians were helping to help get the job done. I'm not kidding. I think on Ken's channel, I think there's some footage of it. You'll catch it where there's a civilian helping us like figure out how to get to where we're going because we don't know the town. Um, and uh, um, it's just incredible to, to see that the the fruit of your efforts so quickly delivered. The fruit is being uh, brought forth so quickly. And, and it just, it's one of the moments that really captured me to see that the amount of effort it takes to bring this to people, to bring this to people that need the help to, to liberate a town from tragedy and terror, to bring hope and, and to let them just get back to their lives. Let them just get back to their homes, living their lives. The amount of effort it takes is astronomical. And not all of that need is being met by the money being sent over by governments. Um, so go ahead and hit play, but skip ahead a big chunk. Because this is kind of the neighborhoods. There's not a lot here. Keep going to till we get to the end of the road. Oh, go back a little bit. Um, there's something I wanted to show you guys. Keep going back. Keep going, keep going. There's a building I'm looking for. Keep going. Keep going. Maybe it's later in the video. Oh, there it is. Hit play. This is the, this is the building. Look how clean this is. Clean glass, clean floor. Everything now. Hit pause. Go to YouTube. Uh, to the to the link I had up. Yeah. Now hit play. This is what it was. So the what you just saw was in May. Now this is us in March. Look at this building. 
<laughs> same building. Everything's all blown up. So we're getting stage. We're kind of back in the rear. There's me on the left. You could see I'm all cool in sunglasses for some reason. Okay, you can stop it there. So you can see, now go back to the video that I had. It's down there on the bottom, the blue icon. Yeah. So scroll back just a little bit and hit play again. So that building, you can see everything was all blown up. And now here we are three months later. And the windows are all put back together. The street is clean. Oh, man, there was destruction everywhere. So hit pause. So what I'm amazed by is the tenacity, the ingenuity, and the willpower of the Ukrainian people to just put their lives back together, man. I mean, it was it's just amazing. Um, it's just really cool. So hit play, and let's go towards the end. Skip way ahead. Right, yes, yeah, scroll back a few seconds. So here we are. We're coming up to University Boulevard. We're perpendicular to it, and there's the park. Look at this. There's people just hanging out on the street corner. They got bikes. There's people hanging out talking. Look at the people across the street. They're just walking. No big deal. You can hit pause now. Um, it blew my mind. It was like, wow, what a difference that uh, that was made. And I know I'm kind of repeating myself, guys, but it's for me it was just such a massive moment to see uh, what we did, the difference, you know? Um, cause if you do like a, a Middle East deployment, you don't really get to see this and that's why it's so big. And this is for those that don't know, that's why this is such a big moment and such a big reference point for me is because you do an overseas deployment, you do your stuff, you smash and you get out. Um, but you don't get to watch the infrastructure get rebuilt and things become safe again. And, you can visit a place very shortly after you were there and it was a combat zone. And now all of a sudden it's safe and there's families hanging out and stores are open. Uh, to me, I, it's just incredible. It's tremendous. So I really admire the work of the Legion. I really admire the work of all of the thousands and thousands of volunteers, aid workers, admire the work of the mil uh, Ukrainian military, admire the work of uh, the Ukrainian government. So, um, it's not it's not propaganda, guys. It's not me trying to tout uh, one flag over another or create political bias. I, I hope you're understanding that what I'm saying here is that I'm just really admiring the tenacity of these people to be able to rebuild their lives so quickly. Um, and, um, and it's just really incredible. All right, let's move to the next thing. So this is the shot. If you remember at the beginning, the whole place was on fire. And yeah, the bridge is still out, but here we are. We're all in civilian attire. We're all in civilian attire at this place that was so dangerous to be in. Um, I don't know if it's in the folder, John. Let's go to the website, the UIF website that you have up. There's a picture Um other other website yeah scroll down there's a there it is so zoom in on this that's the same spot guys that you're seeing and look there's there's uh 
we talked, there's these two, two young men that were carrying this elderly woman out on a, on a stretcher, on a litter with some children. And um, they're trying to get out of her pen to safety. And the place is just on fire and blown up and they're carrying civilians out and stuff. And this is the thing that we're seeing in March. Now zoom out. And uh, so you can see the smoke and everything's blown up in the distance, all these abandoned cars on the bridge. So now go back to our picture and you can see uh, the the cars are cleared off. Nothing's on fire. We're there in civilian attire, and it's basically a safe area to be in, and um, it's just incredible. So I want you guys to, to understand that um, I wasn't trying to glorify any kind of blood or warfare in this video, especially for any YouTube people watching. I wasn't trying to say that you should go over there and get involved in warfare. I'm not magnifying that, and I'm not really trying to create political bias. I'm just telling you guys, this is my experience. This is what I saw. This is what I was a part of. And we're going to be talking more about this. There's going to be more videos talking about Ukraine, more uh, videos where we get into deeper discussions talking about use of drones in humanitarian work, um, talking about the geopolitical climate that's going on in Europe, in Ukraine, in the U.S., I'm going to have um, some other guests on talking about these things. So I hope you're looking forward to this. I hope this was informative. I'd like to hear your comments and your thoughts, what you thought about this. Is there something different that you'd like to see, a different viewpoint or a different angle, something that you think is not being addressed in the media? Again, that's what UIF wants to do. We want to fill in the gap there. So if there's something that's not being spoken towards um, or addressed, then we'll address it. We'll talk about it as long as it's productive to the conversation. So be kind to each other. Um, hopefully this uh, all puts life into perspective for you about um, why you have to wait a little bit longer to get some food or why your shipments are delayed or um, hopefully you can be more patient when you're waiting in line for your Starbucks. Um, just understand that there are people in the world right now going through some real tragedy, real crisis, and they need help. And um, the Ukraine Independence Fund is trying to help people. And so we'd love for you to partner with us and maybe be a donor, maybe participate in our events or donate some equipment, medical supplies, anything like that. And that's it. So thanks for listening to me ramble on for forever and ever. I don't know how long we've been doing this, but I appreciate your time, everyone. And uh, we'll be talking more soon. Peace. Peace.